chapter 8, and we'll look at those verses once more before jumping into the, the, the sermon today, the message. Last week we skipped a week, but two weeks ago we started this uh, series, Too Busy to Pray, and then looking at maybe uh, excuses that people might give for not praying. And uh, one of the first weeks was just, uh, why should I pray? I mean, what's the point? I don't pray because I don't see the point of it. And I hope you hope you uh, have that is that thought has kind of settled into your heart a little bit. I don't want the sermons that preached on Sundays to kind of be forgotten on Sunday afternoon when you take that bite at lunch. Uh, I want it to last. I want it to, to permeate into our hearts as as you know. Obviously, for me, I'm going to get it a little bit more because I've been working on it for a couple uh, a couple of weeks longer than uh, you heard it for an hour. Uh, but uh, I know it seems like a couple of weeks sometimes as you listen. You're like, hurry up. But, uh, uh, the, uh, the, I've been, you know, it's, it's in my, it's in my heart. It's in my, it's in my, uh, in front of my memory. And I, uh, I, this idea of prayer has really captured my attention. Then the week after that, uh, we talked about how, you know, how should I pray? What, what's the, what's the right way to come to God? And, uh, we looked at the, uh, the parable that uh, Jesus said of the, of the man who came to, uh, the temple who was a, a, a a Pharisee, he was he was a good man uh, by human accounts. He'd done a lot of good things, but he had a he had a wicked heart. He had a proud heart, and uh, he prayed one way. And then God said, a publican came, uh, a sinner, a tax collector, and he came and he prayed off in the corner. He wouldn't even come near. Uh, there would be uh, if we were to put it in this situation, here would have been the Pharisee praying right down here and at the very front, staring so that everybody could see him. And here's the publican way in the back corner, just kind of kneeling over in the corner, not even looking up, uh, not even wanting anything to. You know, anybody to see him. And he prayed a very simple prayer. Be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said that that man went home justified rather than the other man, because how we pray matters more than what we pray. But if you're like me, you still need some what's in life. There's I need I'm a I'm a list type of person. I like to know exactly what to do. I don't like to figure it out as I go along um, because I like to do it right the first time. I don't know if you're like me like that. I'm a bit OCD, if you will, in that way. I want to get it right the first time, and it bothers me if I do it wrong. If any mistakes happen, it bothers me. If things happen during the service on Sunday morning, all Sunday afternoon, that's what I'm thinking about. Oh, I said this. should have done that. Oh, man. You know, and, and you might not even notice some of them, and it's just bothering me all the oh. Well, when I pray, as I, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, sometimes when I pray, I notice that I will catch myself not praying but kind of making sure I'm, I'm tiptoeing around the prayer closet, making sure that I don't say the wrong thing in the wrong time or in the wrong manner, in the wrong tone, making sure God doesn't misunderstand me because, of course, you know, He's just like me. And if I say the wrong thing, then He's just not going to get what I meant. And He's going to answer my prayer in the wrong way. And of, and, of course, you know what I'm talking about, right? No, of course, God is God. Is God and God, if Jesus knows what I want to say before I'm going to say it. Well... As I was planning this out, as this, this, these weeks out, I thought, you know, we definitely need to have at least one week where we talk about the what's. Normally, I like to take a passage of Scripture and just stay right in there and, and, and preach right through that little passage, maybe a couple of verses or a chapter. Today is not going to be that way. If you look down in your notes, there are about a million and uh, 50 different Scripture references. We're not going to look at them all, okay? That's for you to look on later and in your in your own time. Uh, we would be here until uh, evening service if we tried to look at all of those. And so uh, let me just warn those of you who are 
you're, you're, you're saying, well, okay, if we do this, he's got about 15 seconds per verse. I don't think I can flip that fast. So just be, just calm down. We're going to be okay. But I wanted to look at a few verses, starting with this one in Romans 8. What exactly am I supposed to do? We looked at two weeks ago, Jesus said, when you pray, don't pray like a hypocrite. Don't pray out in the open. They pray on the street corners. They pray, uh, and there's nothing wrong with praying at a street corner. There's nothing wrong praying, uh, where they prayed. It was why they were there praying. And we'll look at that a little bit more closely today. But Jesus said, what instead, what I want you to do is I want you to go into your closet. I want you to pray in private and in secret. And your father who sees you in secret will reward you. So there's a reward. We looked at this Wednesday, uh, last, I think it was last Wednesday night or the Wednesday night before that, uh, at prayer meeting. There is a reward for praying. The, the, uh, the hypocrites have a reward. They're seen of men. If I'm the hypocrite and I'm praying in front of you and I'm waxing eloquent, uh, you think I am pretty special. That's my reward. Jesus said, that's all you get. But if you pray in secret, in private, your father will reward you and it's very different and it's much better than what men can give. The praise that come from, comes from men is not as good as the rewards that come from God. But we get to this puzzling verse, and in a way it's puzzling to me, but, in, but in, at the other, on the other side of it, it's actually very encouraging because I already knew this. And it's nice to, that God lets me know I already knew this too. Romans 8, 26. It says, The likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. He's talking about uh, sufferings and groanings in the past verses. Our, our spirit groans for the, the basically the, the the struggle that is within us. Uh, I live in a, in a sinful body, and yet the Spirit is in me, and He's trying to get me to do right. Paul describes this as a war going on, and we're talking about waiting for the redemption. I just want this to be over. Have you ever just been like, God, just come back now? Let's just let's just be. I'm just done with this sin and this and asking for again. Would you just come back now? Could you just? Make it all go away. I mean, all the suffering and all the pain. It'd just be nice one of these days. I used to pray that right before a test. God, you know, I studied. I'm not ready for this. Would you just come back now? And it won't even matter anymore. But on the same hand, I would say, God, if you're when you come back, it would be nice if you let me know because I've been saving a bunch of money for the future. And if I'm not going to need it, it would be nice to know. And so I could have a huge vacation right before Jesus comes back. And uh, he hasn't let me know that yet, so I'm still saving. But... Uh, uh, Romans 8.26, it talks about this infirmities there. He says, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, helps us in our infirmities, and this is why. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. You ever felt that way? You get on your knees, or you get in your prayer place, wherever that may be, and I'm going to call it your closet, because that's the, the word that Jesus used, but it, it, it can mean so many different things. It might be in your car on the way to work. It might be walking. I love to walk and pray. Somehow I can concentrate more when I'm walking. Uh, it might be uh, on your knees in a corner somewhere. It might be sitting down. Uh, but when you're there, have you ever just kind of drawn a blank? Now what do I say? Now what do I do? Now, I don't think that though there are many of you who are, we're going to call you seasoned, experienced Christians. You've, you've been at this a long time. And I don't think that you struggle with prayer as much as someone who is just beginning. And so in a way, this is for a lot of a lot of us who have kind of just started out, or we've been doing it for a while, but never really got it. And then all of a sudden, something like this pops out to me, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this it's not as hard as it had to be. It's not as hard as I make it. Remember last week I talked to you about the Sabbath and how the Sabbath was supposed to be a, a, a gift, if you will, to God's people, and yet they turned it into a chore. They turned it into a task. 
and it was hard. They had to figure out how to keep the Sabbath where God was just saying, take a day off. That's what I really want you to do. Take a day off. And they said, no, 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 you have to do this and this and this. You can't do this. Can't walk this far. Can't turn on, can't turn on a light switch. Can't go get water. You can't go out and, and, and gather food. Can't do anything. You know, they, they made all these tricky rules. Prayer kind of gets the same way sometimes. Because we're talking to the God of heaven. We're talking to almighty Jehovah God. And there ought to be a, a certain uh, reverence, and there ought to be when we come to God. And there ought to be uh, a certain uh, decorum. If you're going to go and see the President of the United States, you're probably going to dress up a little bit. You're probably going to think about what you're going to say. You're not going to walk in smacking gum. You know, you got a ketchup stain on your shirt and your hair's all ruffled and you're only there to be like, oh, okay, whatever. And you're standing there checking your phone while you're talking to the president. Oh, hold on, Facebook, I gotta update my Facebook. You know, Facebook status. Feeling excited with the press, you know, and taking this. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna spend some time, uh, you know, getting ready for that. How much more important is it to talk to God? But then on the other hand, God said, I'm your father. Jesus said, I'm your brother. He says, I'm the friend that sticks closer than a brother. So I've got the, the almighty supreme God of heaven. And at the same time, I've got that one who wants to be my friend, who wants to talk to me, as he says with Abraham, as a man, as a friend talking to his friend. That's, that's the relationship God desires. With us. So how do you balance all that? And so then that means, then what do I come and talk to him about? What do I come and say to God? So a couple of questions that I want to answer today, and we'll hit a couple of them. As, and if you saw on the on the, uh, I put it out on the Facebook thing today. How many of you remember back in the 1980s, 1990s, the Reese's commercials? The, and they would talk about, uh, the little kid. I put one up on there. There was a, there was a, a, a little kid. He was a domino champion. And he'd take out, someone put a Reese's up here. I don't know who you are, but you're my new best friend. And they, they, uh, he put all the Reese's up and dom- like dominoes and he had them knocked all around. And then all of a sudden a Reese's popped into his hand and he ate it. And then it finished with their, that tagline for the time being, there's no wrong way. To eat Reese's. And then it showed how, how, uh, li- this little kid, this big brother and a little brother were standing there and, and he says, my brother, he eats the Reese's in the weirdest way. And somehow he was able to eat a hole in the middle and made the Reese's look like a donut. Uh, and then he, and he said, how do you do that? Raj? You know, that was his, that was his, that was there. And then they finished with the tagline. There's no wrong way to eat a Reese's. I, how many of you love Reese's peanut butter cups? I, I'm, if, you're, if your right hand is not raised right now, there's something wrong with you, and you probably need to come forward after the service and get something right in your heart because there's something dreadfully wrong with you. The delicious combination of chocolate and peanut butter combined together in two cups. The only thing better is the big giant one. <laughs> that's uh, uh, that's just, there's just it's just awesome. Uh, I've tried to replicate it so many times with a spoon and a peanut butter jar and a Hershey's, and you can get close, but you just can't get that right proportion. And it's a science, really, it is. And so those people, uh, there's definitely it's a calling to work at the Reese's factory, I can tell you. But you know, one of the, the, the but for that time frame, what Reese's was trying to get you to do was there's no wrong way to eat it, just eat it. We just want you to eat it, whether or not you eat it all the way around. Remember when you were little and you used to make a game out of how you ate your food? Maybe you tried to savor it. If I never did that, I just ate it. Where's the next one? Where's my, you know, if I eat it fast, maybe they'll think I didn't get one and I'll get another. And, you know, eat it. Or maybe you ate a hole through it. Or maybe you, you poked your finger through it and you wear it like a ring or you play. You never drop that thing. And if you did, you just blow it off and eat it because you got the most important part about the Reese's is just eating it. You get a little bit on your fingers. What do you do? You don't wipe it off. You lick that off. There's some good stuff on your fingers right there, and you lick that off. Same thing goes with Oreos. How many of you love Oreos? Wait, let me see your hands. All right, again, if your hand's not raised, there's something wrong with you. Uh, Oreos. I believe that if Oreos had been around 
at Jesus' Last Supper, he would have skipped the unleavened bread and given Oreos to the apostles because they're just so much better. But, uh, you know, there's, there's, there, I looked on the internet this week. I was, I was doing this, I was Googling some very, uh, high classified research, how to eat an Oreo. And I found these, these, uh, I already know how to do it, folks. Trust me. You know, but, but, uh, I definitely use some more practice if you want to send me some. But the, 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 um, I found this webpage. I think it was on ehow.com or wikihow, one of the two. And it was how to eat an Oreo in like 17 steps. I was like, I gotta click on that. Cause I mean, how, how many, how many different steps can you break apart? And this, this girl's doing it and, and she's taught, I mean, she broke apart every single thing that you would do from pulling it out of the bag to twisting it, twisting it back together, licking both sides, twist, you know, dunking it, holding it in the milk for a certain amount of, certain amount of time, pulling it out and it has to taste. And I thought, you know, this is, this is crazy. You know, you don't need 17 steps. You just eat the Oreo. That's really all you do. And uh, they give you so many so you can try all the different ways. I had a friend who puts a fork. You never tried this. It'll change your life. He put a fork in between the Oreo, right where the cream is, so that way you can dunk the whole Oreo without getting milk on your fingers. Because, you know, when you dunk a little bit, one gets soggy, one's a little crunchy. You have to go home and try this. Now, stop by Max on the way home and uh, put this message into practical application, folks. That's what I'm here for. I'm trying to practice the Word. But you know, there's, 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 uh, there, there was a little phrase on the, on the website and they said, really there's no wrong way to eat a Reese's and there's no one, or I'm sorry, to eat an Oreo. There's no one right way to eat an Oreo. Just eat the Oreo. And I was thinking, you know, that's exactly what I'm talking about here with praying. There's really no wrong way to pray. And there's really no one right and only way to pray. Just pray. Don't get caught up with, well, am I kneeling or sitting? A few times I've prayed with people and like, well, and they almost apologize. Well, my knees are bad and so I don't really kneel. I'll sit on this chair. I'm like, hey, I'm going to sit too because the floor's hard. I'm, 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 you know, I'll do that. Sometimes I kneel. If I'm going to be, if I pray with you and you, and I know that you pray a long time, I'm probably going to sit down though. I might lay prostrate on the floor and it's just to be more comfortable because I know you pray a long time. Uh, I've prayed standing. I pray walk. I want to look at some of these, uh, some of these questions that we have. And I'll give you, I'm going to let you off the hook. It's questions that I have or had about praying. And if, and if you have the same questions, just uh, keep quiet about it and everyone will think it, I'm the only person who just doesn't get it. Number one here, where should I pray? So the answer is here, get alone or get with other people. Does that help? <laughs> where should I pray? All by yourself or with someone else or many other people. Let me show you some verses just real quick. We'll just look at the few. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6. You don't have to turn there because that's what, uh, that's what we looked at last week, but that's where he talks about praying in your closet. But go to Acts chapter 4. And uh, we're going to look in Acts 4 and Acts 12. We see Jesus uh, told us to pray in a closet. And he told us to pray by ourselves. We'll see some verses in a few moments, or we'll at least see uh, where they are, and you can look at them later, that Jesus did pray by Himself. But in Acts chapter 4, we see that the entire church, or at least a group of the church, was praying together. Acts 4.24, uh, through verse 31, uh, they, it says in verse 24, And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. This is when uh, the, the, some of the disciples, some of the leaders had been arrested for preaching Jesus' name after Jesus had gone back to heaven. And they uh, they tried to do something about it. And like, well, they didn't really do anything wrong. 
So they just got to let him go. So they threatened him and they came back and they told him, they said, hey, you'll never guess what happened. And, and as soon as the church heard that, it says that they, 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 they got excited and they prayed. If you were to look all the way at the end of the passage in verse 31, it says, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they assembled together. There was an earthquake, folks. I mean, something happened. God came down. Apparently, God jumped in on the praying with them and the place shakes. So, I mean, that's what the early church is doing. So they were praying together. In Acts 12, 12, this is the story of when Peter was, was cast into prison and the church got together and had an all-night prayer meeting for one specific reason, just to pray for Peter. In Acts 12, 12, it says, And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. So, where should I pray? Well, pray all by yourself or pray with someone else. Or pray with a big group. It really doesn't matter. In fact, I think all three are really important. We need to have all those aspects in our lives. There's a lot of benefits to praying by yourself. Remember I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, when you're praying in a group, that's probably not the time to start confessing your sins and telling God your deepest, darkest secrets and thoughts. And, and God, I've been struggling with this. And the rest of us are like, you know, slide away from that guy and, and uh, leave him alone. Pray those prayers by yourself. But when we gather together, it's very encouraging to pray with other people. If you've never done it, you ought to do it. And I'm not talking about when we sit around the table and we pray, we ask the blessing on the food. I'm talking about if you've never prayed with someone, pray. Try this. Next time someone says, would you pray for me? Say, sure, let's do it right now. And just pray right then and there with them. They might think that you're super Christian. And you might think, oh my goodness, I hope they don't see through this little, this little paper thin, you know, thing. But they might think, oh wow, look at that guy. I mean, look at that girl. She, they're just so spiritual. I'd like to be like them someday. And you're going, I have no idea what I'm doing. This is so awkward. Let's pray right now. And just pray, God, would you please be with so-and-so? Would you help them? Would you give them wisdom? Would you help them figure out what's going on this time? One of the, some of the best times you can have with a fellow believer is in prayer together. So where should I pray? Well, pray alone or get with someone else. In Luke 9.28, we see that the church was praying. Uh, Jesus himself prayed in a small group. In Matthew 14, 23, we see that Jesus prayed all by himself on a mountain. In, uh, in Acts 4, we looked at that. In Acts 12, again, the early church, all throughout Acts, we see them praying together. One of the, like, I've mentioned it so many times, and it, and it is, but it isn't a plug for Wednesday night prayer meeting, but one of the most exciting times, uh, at the church is on Wednesday nights at 7.30. We meet together and we just pray. And we talk to God about things that are important to us. Jesus prayed kneeling. Jesus prayed with His eyes open, looking up into heaven. Jesus prayed in all kinds of different positions. In Daniel 6.10, we read that Daniel prayed facing a specific direction. He prayed facing Jerusalem. In, uh, uh, and this is a weird one, and I, and I was really trying to wrap my brain around this. And in 1 Kings 18, Elijah had been in the middle of a seven-year, I believe it was, drought that he prayed for. God told him, pray for the rain to stop, so Elijah did. For seven years, nothing had happened. During this time is when Elijah has the, the, the competition with the other prophet, the hundreds of prophets of Baal, and uh, see whose God would answer by fire. Well, right after all that happens, uh, Elijah gets up to the mountain and he has a servant with him and he says, uh, go check and go, go look for a rain cloud. And he does. And while he's, and while he sends his servant off to do that, he says he put his head between his knees. I'm not that flexible. I can't pray that long. I can't, I mean, that would be a very short prayer for me, but I'm trying to think, I'm thinking Elijah kind of in the, in the fetal position almost praying like that. And he kept, and his servant came back and said, I don't see nothing. He said, well, go back and check. 
and he's getting a crick in his neck and his back is sore and he's, and he finally comes back and goes, I see a little, I see a little cloud about the size of a man's hand. He goes, Oh, good. Get ready. The rain is coming. But he prayed different ways. Throughout the Bible, we see people who they prayed falling down on their face before God. Uh, people praying as they're walking. People praying as they're kneeling. People praying as they're sitting. All of these different positions, there's not a specific position of prayer. There's not a specific place of prayer. Jesus prayed in the wilderness. Jesus prayed in a mountain. Jesus prayed in a garden. There's no wrong place to pray. Where you pray can vary. There's no specific position. There's no specific place. So here's the thing. Pray where it works for you. Pray where it works best for you. I wouldn't suggest that you pray sitting in front of the TV where all your friends are sitting there watching a movie. I think I'll try to pray right now. It might be a little bit difficult. There might be some distractions. But you might, that, you know, some, for some people, the best place for them to pray is in the car on the way to work because a lot of people drive themselves to work by themselves. Maybe if you walk to school, you pray that way. Uh, and, and just where you're, wherever you can be distraction free, where you can have some alone time with God. And let's look at the next one because it really goes hand in hand about when. When is a good time to pray? And, and about also how long should I pray? When is a good time to pray and how long I should pray? And really simply, the answer is anytime. Anytime is a good time to pray. In fact, Jesus told us in 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. That means pray without stopping. And he doesn't mean to pray and never finish. That means right now you're a direct violation of God's Word because you're not praying right now. That's not what it means. But it's being in a constant state of prayer. Prayer is not something that I do only for my five minutes in the morning and then I'm never going to talk to God again until the next five minutes. And if I sleep in and miss that window, sorry God, you're going to have to wait until the next day. Prayer is something I'm constantly doing. Do you remember when you were dating? Do you remember that best friend that you had on the phone constantly? Or even as, as a married couple, we talk to each other all the time. It's not, well, Denise, you only have 10 minutes in the morning, and I'm sorry, something came up, and so you're going to have to wait until next Tuesday when I remember to pray and talk to you. That's not how we pray. We pray at all the times. And it doesn't have to be where I stop, I get distraction-free, I get on my knees, and for the next 30 minutes I block out the world and I talk to God. That is great. But let's be honest, our lives are busy, aren't they? Let's just take the times that we have and pray. I found if I have a specific time of prayer and if I'm open to praying anytime, something comes up, I pray right then and there. If something, uh, something comes out, I tell people that I tell you when I send you a letter, I'm praying for you. You know what I do? Immediately I pray. I pray for you right then and there because if I tell you I'm going to pray for you, I better remember to do it. And so I put myself out there to say, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. And then I start praying for you. And then when I see you, and when I remember your name, oh yeah, I better pray for them. And I might take 10 seconds. I might take two minutes. I might take 15, 20 minutes to pray just for a specific thing. But all throughout the day, whether it be five seconds, five minutes, or I don't pray for five hours, but you know what I'm getting, trying to get at. I just try to pray and try to talk to God about whatever it is. There's no required time. All throughout the Scriptures, you can read these later on. We see people praying at nighttime. We see people praying at morning time, early morning time. That's not me, I'll tell you there, right there. Some of you, that's your time, early morning. I'm going to stay in bed and leave you to yourself so you can... I don't want to be a distraction to you. And that's why I stay in bed when you get up early. So you can have time with God. Because when you go to bed at 8.30 or 7.30, whenever you go to bed, those of you early risers, I'm still up and I'm still going. And it's 11.30 at night. We went to bed early last night. It was 11. And I was like, well, I guess we can go to bed now. And you know what I did? I laid in bed for half an hour like this. 
It's not bedtime. <laughs> My body's like, what are you doing in bed now? It's only 1130. Those are good times for me because I'm awake. I'm thinking about stuff. And, and you know, we all, we're all different, but we see all throughout the scriptures, we see people praying in their room uh, and praying, praying at night, praying in the morning, praying in the afternoon. Uh, we see people praying in the afternoon at noontime. And there's official prayer times. We, in Acts 3, we read about some of the disciples who were going up to the temple to prayer at the prayer hour. There was a specific set time that they prayed, but also there's spontaneous prayers. There's many times that Jesus would, Luke 10, it was, it was an interesting, an interesting story. If you read it, Jesus had sent out his disciples two by two to all these, these different places. And they came back and these guys were pumped. Because he had given them power to do some miracles, and they came back excited the way that you and I would be if God had said, "Here's some, here's some miracle, miraculous power. You have superpowers now." And they came back. Jesus said, "You won't believe what happened. Actually, you will, because you told us this would happen. But this is what happened. I mean, we were healing people, and we were doing this and this and this." And Jesus got so excited because they were so excited, and he instantly just starts praying and he says, "God, I'm so glad." I'm so glad that you hid this from the wise professionals of our day and you showed and revealed yourself to children, to these, these babes in Christ, if you will. That's what he was, and he was, and he was praying spontaneously. He didn't wait for a big crisis to happen. He didn't wait, well, okay, but uh, you know, it's not my prayer time yet, so let's just wait. No, it was, it was in the moment. He just did it. He just prayed. He just talked to his father. Jesus had an ongoing conversation with the father for Every, every day. And that's how it ought to be for us. As I said, 1 Thessalonians tells us to pray all the time. Any time is good. There's no volume requirements. I've heard, and I bring these up because I've heard people say, well, you're supposed to pray in the morning. Those are people who pray in the morning. I've also heard people say, no, you're supposed to pray at night. Those are people who pray at night. Here's the thing. You're supposed to pray. Period. Figure out when it works for you. If you can't get up in the morning, then Saying, all right, I'm going to pray from 5 to 5.30. If you don't regularly get up until like 8, then trying to get up at 5 and 5.30 is not going to work for you. I've done it. I've tried it. I tried it saying, you know what I'm going to do? Nothing, nothing's in my way at 2.30 in the morning. I set my alarm. It only lasts for a few days. And I set my alarm to go off at like 2 o'clock in the morning. And I would get up and I just said, I'm going to pray for 30 minutes and I'm going to go back to bed. Well, I did. The first time I got up at 2 and about 2.05, I was just sleeping again. And the next morning, I hit a snooze. And then my wife's like, would you just turn that off? I'm like, and I don't think the Spirit's leading me to pray at 2 in the morning anymore. I turn that alarm off. They say, you know, I'll pray when I get up. I'll pray in the morning. You know, there, it just, there's no specific time. But you know what? There's, I've heard of all sorts of, well, you're supposed to pray out loud. You're supposed to pray, you're supposed to pray out loud so God can hear. God, he, God lives in my heart, which means if I don't pray out loud, God still hears me. God is a good lip reader. He's really good at it. God knows my thoughts, and that's where my words come from. So if God is reading my thoughts, He's reading my heart, He knows what I'm going to say before I even say it. So you can pray out loud. You can pray within your heart. Hannah prayed in the temple. She prayed, and the priest, he was such a backslidden priest, he thought that she was drunk. He thought that there was a drunk woman in the, in the, in the temple praying, she was just so brokenhearted, she wanted a baby so badly that she was praying and she couldn't even get the words out. She prayed and he just said he marked her lips and thought she was a drunk woman. But she was praying heavily. I mean, she was, she was, uh, in, 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 in a lot of, in grief. There's no pain, uh, there's no time requirements. There's no volume requirements. Jesus prayed while he was weeping. I imagine that was pretty loud. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying great drops, uh, sweat drops of blood. I imagine that was pretty vocal. But there's no, thou shalt pray aloud at a decibel level of minimum. 
There's not. Just pray. Just talk. He listens. He wants to hear. And also, there's no required length. This is good for me because I used to feel bad when I only prayed a few minutes. But I found that if I didn't feel, if I stopped feeling bad about praying for a few minutes, I also didn't feel extra good because I prayed a lot longer. I didn't feel like, oh man, I gotta do this again. You ever done that when you work out? You go through a really hard workout and it was like 60 minutes of intense torture basically is what it is. And then you get down and you go, I gotta do this again tomorrow. What do you usually end up doing? Quitting. <laughs> because it is like, I don't want, you don't look forward to it. And the same thing with prayer. If I have to pray an hour, I might get pumped up for it one time. And after that, I think I better find something else to do, God. And you walk away and you feel guilty because you're not doing anything at all. Do we all agree that five minutes of praying is better than zero minutes of praying? Yeah. Now, 60 minutes of praying is probably better than five minutes of praying. But five is better than zero. So if you don't pray at all, five minutes. One sentence. One comment to God is better than nothing at all. If that's all you do, don't put a time limit on. That's what I'm trying to get at. Don't, don't set your clock and say, all right, God, for the next 20 minutes, you got my attention here. God should have my attention all the time. When I'm with my wife, I don't put a time and say, okay, all right, we're going on a date. The only reason we have a time is for the babysitter. But if we're up to me, we'll get back when we get back. All right? And we're leaving when we want to leave. You know, when, when my boys are old enough to watch themselves and we don't have to get babysitters, where are you coming home, Dad? I don't know. Thursday, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Whenever we get back, you know, whenever. Because I don't want to, I don't want to be watching the club. We better hurry up and get back. Because if we get into a good conversation or if we're having fun, I'm going to be like, oh, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back now. Time, time to stop our fun. But at the same time, I don't want to feel like, because we've all been there, right? I'm like, oh my goodness, I got two more hours of this. Oh. Wow, you know, never with my wife, but that's what some of you tell. Me. But you know, if it's just not clicking, you're just like, I just don't feel like it right now, and I got to do this again. I got. It's only been five minutes, <laughs> so I just, I just want to have that uh, free time. God, I'm here. Let's talk. And it might be five minutes. It might be fifteen minutes. Sometimes God gets a hold of me, and I'm, and I'm going for a long time. Uh, sometimes I get it done, and I'm done. And, and, and I don't feel bad about either way. There's no time requirements. We see Jesus here. He prayed all night sometimes. I think that's, that's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty decent goal for some of us, but not every night. You gotta sleep. Jesus prayed sometimes just for an hour. He said, just an hour? I mean, that's a long time. That, Jesus fell out. He came back to the disciples and he goes, you guys couldn't pray for an hour? Now, if you've never prayed for five minutes, an hour is, is a seeming eternity. But if you've been, if you've prayed, try it sometime. Give yourself a time and don't say, I'm going to pray for an hour every day. Say, I'm going to pray and set a time this day, this time, for this time, this hour, I'm going to pray and I'm going to talk to God and, and work up and, and have plenty of things to talk about and, and sing and thank God and, and, and ask for forgiveness for things and ask Him for your requests and all those things. It's, it's awesome. But it's not something that you have to do every day. Jesus didn't say pray for an hour every day from five to six. There's, sometimes Jesus prayed a few sentences. I like those. Those are the heartfelt ones. Those are the ones that make God real to you. We know that God is real. But when you get into the habit of praying sentence prayers, God becomes a real person who is right there with you. When I talk to my wife, it's no more than a few sentences at a time. Right? I don't sit down and talk to my wife for 30 minutes straight and make her listen to me. We just talk. I have a couple of comments. She has a couple of comments. I have a couple of comments. She's a, it's a conversation, folks. When I have a conversation with God, 
I just make a couple of statements and I go throughout my day. Praying in my office just a little while ago. God, please help me with this, this sermon. I want to say the right things. I don't want to say the wrong things. And that's it. I didn't even get on my knees, folks. I didn't close my eyes. I just talked. If you really would make God as real as, as we are to each other, no one thinks it's creepy to talk to each other, right? If I'm talking on a cliff and someone walks on the corner like, who are you talking to? I'm like, well, Cliff, he's right there. Because he's real, you can see him. But somehow we think, if we walked around the corner and we saw someone talking and praying, like, ooh, slip away real quickly. God's real. He's, he's realer than Cliff. <laughs> he's been around a lot longer than Cliff, right? He's, re- he's real. We just can't see him. Someone's on the phone. Remember when headset, Bluetooth headsets came out? And we thought everybody had gone crazy. You're in the store and someone's walking down the, the aisle and they're talking to themselves, having a one-sided conversation, and you can't see the Bluetooth in their ear. Like, who are they talking to? They're not praying. They're weird. You know, that's, that, that's, I mean, that, that's as real as it is with God. You just can't see God, but He's real. He's listening. He's talking back. If you would spend some time with Him. There's no required length. The time can vary. Just make the time and spend the time with God. Real quickly. And the last thing here is, what should I pray? And I'm not going through all of these things here, but there are some, you can, let me just blanket statement here. You can talk to God about anything you want to talk to him about. God just wants to hear from you. I said the very first week we talked about this, prayer is the time that God changes us. So get there so God can change you, God can work on you, and talk to him about whatever you want to talk to him about. Elijah prayed for rain. Elisha prayed for vision. Hannah prayed for a child. Hezekiah prayed for longer life. Jabez prayed for prosperity. Ezra prayed for a safe journey. A leper prayed for healing. Moses prayed for water. Solomon prayed for wisdom. You can pray for anything you want. You, you don't even have to ask for stuff. You can just talk because God is real. Scripture does tell us some specific things that we can pray for and things that we should pray for. I've listed a few of them there for you. We should pray for others. We should pray for wisdom. We should pray for forgiveness. Jesus told us to pray for our enemies. There's a lot of different things that God says specifically, yeah, pray for these things. But we are, but there's not, a, 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 you must say this when you pray. Just pray. You know what I do? I pray prayers that are recorded in Scripture. The Psalms are great at this because they are prayers. If God thought that David's prayer was good enough to put and preserve in his word for all eternity, that's a, that's a slam dunk for me. So sometimes I just pray what I read. And I just maybe change it up. I stop saying thee and I say you. If David talked about himself, I talked about me. And, 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 that's, and it's a great way to do it. I've listed a few that are really great. If you want to try it sometime, Psalm 139. I did that one this week. Psalm 1, I did that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, praying through the Scriptures. And let the Scriptures outline what you want to say. We talked about that a little bit on Wednesday night. Letting the Scriptures outline what we're going to tell God. But, and, and, and just simply share what's on your heart. Let me say this. Be a good listener. What do I talk about when I pray? One of them is nothing. Don't talk at all. Shut up. Let God do some talking. Have you ever had a conversation with someone who wouldn't shut up? You can't get a word in edgewise? That's what some of us put God through. What do you feel like when that person comes up? All right. Just better practice breathing because that's really all I'm going to get to do right now. I wonder if God's like, oh, he's back. And he probably doesn't feel that way, but if I were God, that's what I would think, okay? 
He's back. I'm glad you're here, but would you just give me a chance to say something back? Now, God's not going to speak to you audibly. He's not going to appear to you and start talking to you the way you do. But there are times, and if you've ever done it before, and you know what I'm talking about. You just be quiet long enough and let God tell you stuff. You can read His Word. I mean, that's God's words. We can find out what God wanted to say there. Usually before I get down to my regular prayer time, I'll, I'll pray. I'll read a little bit. I want to hear, get God's words in me. Someone described prayer as spiritual breathing. Scripture in, prayer out. Scripture in, prayer out. But just take some time and learn to let God talk to you. I think it's very encouraging that Romans 8.26 tells us that we don't know how to pray. God says, I already knew that, and so here's what I did. I gave you a helper. I put my spirit inside of you, and he's going to help you pray. Because there's times when you don't know what to say. Have you ever been so grieved so hurt and you so mad and you didn't know what exactly to say. Go to God and just cry. Go to God and just say, why? The Holy Spirit begins to commune through our spirit. And we're praying, folks. That's real. Praying is not just when I have my paper in front of me and I start asking God for all the things that I want. Praying is just spending time with God. So what's the best way to pray? The answer is, it depends. But if we want to put it into a nutshell, wherever you are is the best place to pray. Whenever you can is the best time to pray. Now, it's better for us to make schedules because things that we don't schedule for, we usually don't end up doing. If you don't have a specific time, it's a very good chance you're probably not going to do it. Just like going to the gym. Well, I'll go when I feel like it. You'll never feel like it. Well, I'll pray when I feel it. You probably won't ever feel it because the devil will, will make sure that you've got plenty of other things that you feel like doing instead. Because let's be honest, those of you who have a regularly scheduled prayer time, haven't, haven't you been, you, you've been in there, you're reading, you're praying, and all of a sudden, oh, I gotta do this. And there's that temptation to stop and go and do that. We've gotta discipline ourselves. No. I'll do that in a minute. Let me take care of this. Let me let me make sure I got my and then all throughout the day I'm just talking. Just just hey, what would you think about this? I walk outside, man, God, it's beautiful out there. Driving down, we drove to Mayville uh last yesterday. We were driving to go get some dinner. You know, you, you go out some of those hills and you can just seems like you can see forever. Man, this is beautiful. Like God, thank you for this. This is awesome. This is this is gorgeous. Thank you for letting me live in a place like this. You know, uh, the first time you see the snow and it's pretty. Not, I'm not, not talking about six months in and like, God, <laughs> snow. But the first time you're like, oh, it's gorgeous. It's awesome. You know the way the snow looks like when no one's trampled on it? Or you maybe see a, you see an animal, you see wildlife, whatever. You're like, God, that, just those little sentence prayers. Try that this week. If you've never done that before. Just try sentence prayers. It'll change your, it'll change the way you pray. It'll make God become very real to us. And this is where, so I said, wherever you are is the best place. Whenever you can is the best time. And whatever you're thinking about, that's the best prayer. God knows your heart. That's obviously what's bothering you. So tell God what's bothering you. This is why it's so important that we get into God's Word. Because when we get God's Word in our heart, that's what's on our heart. And we can begin to align our prayers with Scripture. If I never read the Word and I only talk, I'm going to give Him very very selfish prayers. If I can get into the Word and the Word begins to change me, it says, now you are clean through the Word. 
Wherewithal shall a man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto, according to thy word. The Bible cleans me up. It gets me, it gets me holy. It gets me pure. And then the more I have God's word in my heart and I begin to pray, that's what's on my heart. The more we learn, the more it changes our thinking and it changes our prayers.